Hello, friends, and welcome again to another episode of the Pilot Podcast. I'm Jared Quinnett, joined by my co-host, Alan Murray and Matt Hensley. Uh, guys, how are y'all doing on this uh, Wednesday afternoon? Doing really good. Uh, been under the weather weather for the last couple of days, but feeling been under a the weather today. Under the weather, uh, feeling a little better today, but uh, glad to be back in the great land of enchantment. So, how are you doing, Alan? I'm doing well. Uh, this week we're having an archery camp at Centerville, uh, and it's been going great. We've been uh, having lots of kids come out uh, learning to shoot archery, which has just turned into a great tool for us to share the Bible with them. And uh, nobody's been shot yet, which is always good. And kids are learning about Jesus. So any anytime you get to shoot archery, no one's shot, and you're learning about Jesus is a good thing. Yeah. If you ever learn that First Baptist Farmersville is having an archery camp, please make sure that Bart Barber's daughter's boyfriend is not there because it might be the end of his. Uh, it may be it may end of his demise. Let's yeah, Jaden, man. So. Hey, uh, so we we have a bit of an announcement that came out. Of course, Jonathan Howe said, thanks for sharing the announcement that you don't have an announcement. And uh, But each month on the 14th, we're going to give an update about our progress with the Pastors Conference. And uh, so we released that, of course, today. We're recording this on the 14th and released that. And uh, basically, it says that we have a theme. And uh, we're going to be going verse by verse through a book of the Bible that we have our preachers and special guests and the song leaders lined up and uh, and all of that good stuff. But we didn't announce any of that. <laughs> and so we just shared that we've got it done and uh, and mainly made a plea for some fundraising. And so those that are listening in would encourage you just to follow the uh, SBC Pastors Conference on Facebook and on Twitter. And on Facebook, it's under SBC Pastors Conference. And on Twitter, it's under SBC Pastors Conf, C-O-N-F. And uh, we'll be sharing those on the 14th of every month and begin rolling out the theme, rolling out some of that stuff as we go and get a little bit closer to Anaheim and June. And uh, But part of that announcement was the fact that we are aiming to use those social media accounts uh, for ongoing encouragement and inspiration and instead of just using it as the place to uh, share those announcements also trying to encourage pastors to persevere uh, until we get together in Anaheim and so that's just a brief note on the pastors conference uh, just to stay tuned to our social media outlets so you can uh, keep up to date on the 14th of every month about what God is doing through our team so what is the spiritual significance of the number 14 that was the day we were elected so I chose the 14th. Yep. Because okay. monthly updates every month after we were elected, but also there is spiritual. So no spiritual uh, significance though. Yeah. There's, there's not spiritual significance, but there is some significance to the amount of people we are following on Twitter that nobody wow. has noticed. And that is that we're following 714 people in the area code for Anaheim. Chronicles uh, synchronous 714? No. Oh, okay. The area code for Anaheim is 714. So. As you're so, asking Americans to pray for their land, which yeah. is the second promised land. So I, yeah, sure. I think you should change the theme to Second Chronicles seven fourteen for second, the pastors' conference. I second that motion. I second that emotion. <laughs> I'm going to use that in the business meeting. I, I, I second that emotion. Oh, Matt, thanks for sharing that. I did donate two U.S. dollars to the. Uh, fund uh, i would have donated more but i had to buy my season tickets to album football that day so uh, <laughs> bank account uh was a little bit light 
on that end. So yeah. hey, let's let's jump in here to some uh, Baptist news. Capitol Hill Baptist Church, Washington D.C. Mark Dever, the pastor there, also the uh, founder and leader of the Nine Marks organization. Um, their church settled a lawsuit with Washington D.C. over religious liberty. As you do know, in the past year, churches have had troubles meeting indoors and things like that. And on July eighth, there was a settlement that was reached um, in a by a federal judge in the uh, case. Uh, and I believe it was in the excess of $200,000, which was the, I believe, the lawyer fees for Capitol Hill Baptist Church on that. It's encouraging to continue to see these religious liberty cases, uh, not only in the courts, but also favoring religious liberty, right? Yeah, for sure. And I thought it was an example of perhaps doing it the right way and, uh, you know, doing what you can, all of that kind of stuff. We, of course, I know y'all talked about it on the podcast. We here in New Mexico were very restricted um, and sometimes it seemed like singled out and uh, so grateful to see uh, see that. Uh, the only thing I think is that, you know, if they've been given, I think it's $220,000 that I hope they donate a tithe of that to the pastor's conference. So I'll just throw that out there. Uh, it would be nice. Plug, always plug. <laughs> what about you, Alan? No, I, I think it's good uh, that, that Capitol Hill uh, stood their ground and uh, fought for religious liberty. They're, they're not the only church in the area that dealt with this. Um, I know a fellow here in our area uh, who came from a church in the D.C. area as well that was being forced to meet outside because they couldn't meet. And so, you know, in, anytime one church does this and then you end up having this historic precedence uh, that the courts can look back on. But I think it's also helpful that you have a pretty prominent church, not, not just a prominent Southern Baptist church, um, though Capitol Hill is certainly one of the most prominent and influential Southern Baptist churches in the convention for the last, you know, 15 years or better. But, uh, you know, an influential church in evangelicalism, it's, it's going to gain attention and the advocacy for religious liberty, especially as our government has flexed hard in the last uh, 16 months or so, showing what they can try to do or not do to our churches. So I'm I'm glad there was a victory for the our brothers and sisters at Capitol Hill. Yeah, I liked what uh, Patterson said, that throughout the pandemic, Capitol Hill served as a model for how to engage local authorities and added throughout the process. I know this local congregation, like many others, served their community with faithfulness. With this chapter now closed, my hope is that the D.C. officials will see this church as a valuable partner serving the Capitol Hill community. And so I thought that was a good point. Uh, I, I really felt they they led well in this and uh, did what they could. They were faithful along the way and uh, trusted God throughout the process. And, and here we kind of see the result. Yeah, a lot of churches took a lot of different angles on this. Some were defiant to government. Uh, I do appreciate Mark trying to balance Romans 13, but also the mandate to gather locally with your church. And in a difficult year, Patterson also said a pandemic is no excuse to run rough uh, shod over religious liberty. While it never should have gotten uh, gotten to these links, Capitol Hill Baptist Church has rightly prevailed. Uh, and so Mark never has served, I think, as an example for many of us for a long time, and he continues to do that. Um, so hopefully, uh, they will be able to continue to gather. I know there's still, uh, you know, different variants and things like that of COVID-19 out there, but I believe most Americans are get their shots and, uh, hopefully we're about to have this all put behind us. It's nice again to see churches full and maskless people in sports stadiums and things like that. So good for Capitol Hill Baptist church, uh, big Baptist news that dropped last week was 
Ed Litton, uh, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, pastor of Redemption Hill Church in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, he announced his task force to oversee the third-party review of the SBC Executive Committee. Um, he named Bruce Frank, who is the pastor of Biltmore Baptist Church, someone that Alan and I are quite familiar with because we both serve churches in the same area as Bruce, who's a, a great guy to serve as the chairman of that committee. The vice chairman is Marshall Blaylock, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Charleston, South Carolina, which has like one of the most beautiful church buildings uh, you will ever see on the face of the earth. Uh, and so um, it's, it's a great uh, committee uh, as you look at it. I know Andrew Haybear is on it from here in Texas. He's Pastor Paramount Baptist Church. Uh, Buckus Sterling from Maryland. Heather Evans from Pennsylvania. Liz Evans from Tennessee. John David from Mississippi are also on the committee with Bruce Frank and Vice Chair Blaylock. Um, and I know they'll be uh, uh, consulting with Rachel Hollander. And um, there's a great write-up on the credentials of this on Baptist Press. But it's nice to kind of see this coming to fruition. This is a big uh, talking point at the convention. This was a contentious uh, thing that we had to vote on and talk through. And now we're a, a month out from the convention, right out a month. And uh, the task force has been named. So optimism uh, from you guys on this? Yeah, I think one is, uh, you know, what, what uh, one of the members said uh, was that the messengers of the annual meeting spoke clearly and overwhelmingly regarding this important task. And uh, that he added that uh, the team that Lydon has assembled uh, and they're ready to get to work immediately and ask for prayers. And so, you know, certainly with some of the outside folks that they're bringing in, the people that are on it, I love that they kind of shared some of the uh, background within them and, and kind of what they're about, that kind of deal. Uh, so we can know who's ultimately representing this and, and how they're going to move forward along the way. And I think, you know, we can all be be praying for it and uh, and asking God to give them guidance and clarity as they move forward. And uh, so I, I think it's a, uh, a good move. And uh, as Lytton said, uh, the members of the team are men and women who genuinely pursue God and seek the truth and desire for survivor voices to be heard. And I think that's what all Southern Baptists really desire. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm grateful that they're willing to serve in this capacity. And uh, so, so yeah. Alan? I'm glad for the expediency. I think this is something that the messengers of the convention really wanted to see take place. Uh, of course, you know, some things were changed around. We've talked about that before and, and how the convention decided that needed to be done. And so to, to move with great expediency and to have the people that they have from the varied backgrounds, um, I, I think it'll be helpful. Um, I, I think it's going to be good to see what's found uh, because they're doing what they need to do. But I think when we end up finding what they find, it's going to be difficult as well. Uh, it'll be much to process uh, and much to work through the convention, but trying to trying to do things well, uh, trying to do things biblical uh, that honor Christ and also uh, honor those who have been sinned against is is hugely important for us as a convention right now. I believe it'll serve us well uh, as all Southern Baptists and people listening to this podcast, even if you're not Southern Baptists, I, I'm writing down the time every morning, right around seven o'clock to pray for this task force. Uh, I think that'd be a wise thing to do just every single day uh, as you would pray for your local church, as you would pray for your pastor. Uh, we need to pray for this task force because this is an immensely important uh, task force that is going to uncover and discover and report back to us. It's also going to be interesting to see um, if the executive committee will continue their third party uh, investigation that they had started prior to the annual meeting. 
Um, I suspect that they probably won't. They'll probably hand this over to the task force, but they may not. I don't know. Uh, a lot could happen. It'll be interesting to hear what President uh, Ronnie Floyd uh, of the executive committee decides that he wants to do with that. Uh, but I think it'll be uh, very wise for us to pray on this. And special thanks to Grant Gaines, the pastor of Bel Air Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, uh, for getting the groundwork on this done. I think that most, and we saw this in the room, right? Overwhelmingly supportive of this. Uh, this needs to be looked at. And we need to be prepared to deal with whatever the results are and then move forward, repent, and do better. Uh, I believe that's a, a thing that we could all strive for. Uh, at Southern Baptist, right? Certainly. All right, guys. Well, uh, kind of slow time of the year. And when it's a slow time of the year, it's time for good cooking and good eating, right? We talked about ribs last week. Uh, you got time to smoke ribs. Uh, that's always fun to do. Last night, Alan, I made some smash burgers. Uh, for Father's Day, I got an outdoor griddle. Uh, so uh, we make a lot of breakfast food out there on that. I do pancakes every Saturday and hash browns, eggs, and bacon for the boys. Uh, and we made some smash burgers last night. Uh, but one food that some Southerners like, I won't say all Southerners, and some people on this podcast have never even heard of this food apparently, is uh, a delicacy called po'boys. Alan, tell us about them. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this. Almost had a po' boy today for lunch, but decided to get a shrimp burger, uh, which they're both shrimp sandwiches. The, the history of the po' boy goes back to the Great Depression, uh, actually to the great city of New Orleans, uh, where we have one of our six Southern Baptist seminaries. Uh, and there were some workers who were out on strike, and an individual decided to serve them, uh, typically fried seafood sandwich on a New Orleans-style French bread baguette kind of thing. Uh, a lot of times it's shrimp, a lot of times it's oysters, but it was served to these guys that were protesting. And they said, here come more of those poor boys. Uh, you know, of course, being shortened to po' boys. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing. At this time of the year here in eastern North Carolina, uh, the shrimp are starting to come in real good. They're starting to get bigger off the coast. And matter of fact, yesterday I bought a pound and a half of beautiful, fresh local shrimp. And uh, you take the shrimp or oysters, uh, sometimes roast beef, um, those are really the main three things I see around here in eastern North Carolina. And you fry those up, put them on some French bread, maybe with uh, some kind of remoulade sauce. I see that a lot around here and some fresh lettuce and fresh uh, summer tomatoes. And it's just a, a wonderful sandwich of fried seafood and uh, good crusty bread. It, it's hard to beat in the summertime some fresh shrimp here in eastern North Carolina. And, you know, Matt, uh, I would imagine if you made one that you'd probably try to put spaghetti in it. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. What I would probably do is uh, I would get French bread. We we do like that. I know what that is. And uh, we would throw pimento cheese on it and uh, probably some crunchy uh, flaming Hot Cheetos or something. That would be our po' boy um, because everything you've said that is an ingredient on this thing other than the bread, I am saying absolutely not to. Um, so, no. I think I can say without any reservation, Alan, I'd probably try about any food that you would ever cook for me, and I would not try anything that Matt Hensley would cook for me. I think I could uh, unequivocally say that. We got a restaurant around the, right around the corner from the church called Poe Melvin's. They got a lot of food, but they have Poe Boys as well. You get the great Poe Boy there. Maybe, Alan, when you're in Dallas later this year, uh, we can go get some Poe Melvin's. This is kind of an Irving staple. People love it. Or maybe we'll get barbecue. Uh, or maybe we'll do both. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I don't want flaming hot Cheetos or spaghetti on my 
Pope boys. That sounds the, the the only thing in my household that I would use uh, flaming hot Cheetos for uh, is elote. You know, Mexican street corn. That is the only thing I would incorporate that into. into Let me tell you, my, my life. We'll go get some street corn while you're here, because son, it's everywhere and it's good. Let me at least recommend trying with that suddenly salad that we talked about last week, you know, the little pasta and all that stuff and some Duke's mayo. Let me at least let you try throwing some flaming Hot Cheetos on that and tell me that's not the best thing you ever eat. Brother, I, I pray for your ministry on a regular basis. Uh, I pray for your Sunday mornings. I'm going to start praying for your taste buds. Um, God can redeem them. I believe that. They can be redeemed. I don't know if he'll do it, but I, I believe he can. Yeah. Well, guys, always fun to get together and talk a little bit about Southern Baptist life. Hope you guys are doing well. Anything else you want to add before we bring this thing to an end? Go get a po' boy this week. We get a po' boy this week. If you do, tweet at us. Nope. Inst- uh, Instagram us. Facebook at us. Do any of those things, let us know. Don't put Flaming Hot Cheetos on them. Thanks for coming to the Potluck, friends. Uh, make sure you drop uh, a donation uh, at, when you come to the Potluck for the Pastors Conference there, and then get your plate, get your fill, get your full. We hope you always leave here satisfied and full. Join us next time. Same Baptist time, same Baptist hour, and stay Baptist, my friends. <laughs>